0: Welcome to New Catholic Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Feach. Well, good morning. Does God ever mess with you? You know, you have your plan, you have your things kind of lined out, exactly the way you think that God told you to do it. And then he comes in and says, No, not that way. That's what he's done to me this week, and I had already had ideas about where I was headed with this. on We're talking about the kingdom culture. And, uh, and God says, nope, not yet. And so uh, God changed everything on me. And, and that's okay because he's God and I'm not. And uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, so let's just pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you recognizing that, God, you're at work in our world right now. You're working our lives. Father, there's a lot of things you want to take care of. There's a lot of areas that you are wanting to step into to give us a way of life through it, for it, and to bring glory to your name. Father, I pray for a spirit of revelation. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and allow us to experience you in power and demonstration. And we give you praise and honor and glory because it all belongs to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at one verse this morning. Uh, We're in a a series called the kingdom culture. Now, a kingdom is the realm in which the king rules what belongs to him. Psalms 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. The kingdom of God that we're talking about is God's rule over all reality, seen and unseen. It covers all that exists everywhere, past, present, and future. It's an ultimate kingdom, but also it's a present kingdom. That God is working in the affairs of men right now. And he revealed most clearly that kingdom in a lifestyle through his only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Emmanuel, God with us, came to live the life God intended every man to live. The Bible also calls him the last Adam. He's the representative man. And when Jesus was baptized of John, the Lord, the Spirit, led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he came out of that wilderness after 40 days, he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit And he declared, Mark chapter 1, verse 15, The time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near at hand. It's within reach. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Jesus came to restore the reality of the rule and reign of God on earth as it is in heaven. He was the kingdom culture in action. Now, culture is a way of thinking, a way of acting, a way of being, a way of life. He died, he rose, he ascended, and he sent his Holy Spirit to enable every follower of Jesus Christ to live in this same culture. Jesus said something in John 14, 12 that still captures my heart, and that's the thing I want to talk to you this morning, Jesus said there, as he prepared his disciples for his own departure, for his death, he said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, now mark that, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. What that says to me is that the way that God intends us to live, if we're to do greater works than Him. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of think Jesus did some extraordinary things. He lived an extraordinary life. And what I get from this is God saying it's not extraordinary, it's supernatural. This kingdom, this kingdom culture is not just A lifestyle, it is a supernatural life. We're going to do the same works that Jesus did and greater. That word greater is mega. We're going to do mega more. I don't know about you, but that's just kind of beyond my scope. And here's the problem. That's the problem. It's beyond our scope. Now, how many of you know that Jesus is not only the way and the life, but He's the truth? He only said what He heard the Father saying, so basically this is what the Father is saying to you and to me. Truly, truly, I say to you, the works that I do, you'll do. And greater works than these you'll do because I go to the Father. Now, we know that because He was going because in John 14, 15, 16, He's telling us about the Comforter, the Holy Spirit that's going to come. But I here's the, the when we talk about i'm talking about a supernatural life so i looked up supernatural on google It says that which is beyond or added to nature considered so because it's given by deity or some force beyond that which humans are born with webster puts it of or relating to an order of existence beyond the visible observable universe what God is saying that he is inviting us into is a life that's literally out of this world. It's not, it's not limited to what is seen. Most of us don't believe that. And what I want to share with you and the thing that I think God was telling me and changing everything is right here is where our culture clashes with the kingdom culture. Our culture, our way of life, our way of thinking, our way of being and living comes in conflict with the kingdom culture because we tend to believe what we can see. And God's inviting us to believe what we don't see. So I want to show you, God, uh, I was all... uh, all ready to talk about the keys of the kingdom and all of this and your authority and all this kind of stuff. And God said, not yet. They don't believe this part yet. So I said, what part? He said, 1 Corinthians 4.20. One verse. 1 Corinthians 4.20. And in context, Paul's talking about being a father of, of leading the Corinthians. And, and, and then in, in context, he says this basically. He says, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. The message says it this way. God's way, His way of living, His way of life is not a matter of mere talk. It's an empowered life. So I have two points that will take me a long time to get through. I wished I had three more, but... Here's the point I'm trying to... I, here's, here's the thing that I'm trying to learn how to do. Only say what God wants said. Wouldn't you like that? Only say what God wants said. Now, two things. Not in word, but in power. The kingdom of God is not in word. The word there is logos. Logos is a revelation, a message, a declaration of words, of doctrine, a revelation. And and here's the thing that that it's Paul is saying. The gospel of the kingdom, and the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God, is not just talk. Though it is, though the message is true, it's not just a message to be told, words to be declared, or precepts to be followed. Now we live in a culture, Western culture that is sensory rather than supernatural. What that means is most of us would use the word, well, it's scientific, but in reality it's sensory, which means we live by our natural senses, including our thinking. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, it talks about the natural man receives not the things of God, for they are spiritually discerned. In other words, they're not seen, they're not known in the sense of natural learning. The natural man receives not the things of God, for they are spiritually discerned. They are supernaturally, out of this world, received, perceived. In our culture, we believe what we can know by sense Not just our physical senses. I'm not talking about just our five senses. I'm talking about the system of thinking we've been educated in. We've been taught to believe in only what we can understand, what we can prove, or what's already been accepted. For far too many... In our world today, even in the church today, Christianity has become a teaching, a concept, a religion, an ideology. It's just another choice among many choices. In reality, it's just another set of rules or thoughts to live by, a way of life that makes sense. In other words, it's better to be good than bad. It just makes sense. And we tend to live by what we feel. If it feels good, do it. We're sensory related. And so when it comes to talking about Scripture and talking about God and talking about Jesus, all these things, we tend to live by our understanding, by our senses that we've been educated in. And the kingdom comes and just smacks that in the face with saying, there's so much more. There's so much more. It's not mere talk. And we may talk about having faith. We believe God. We believe Jesus. But you see, faith can be a word for believing a teaching rather than a personal encounter with the living person. In other words, I can say I believe God and never encounter God. I can say I believe what the Bible says and never read it because I believe it to be the right teaching, the right message, the right words. And Paul says the kingdom of God that we're talking about, the way of living this life that I'm talking about is not just mere talk. It's not just new precepts. It's not just a new fangled idea, but it's in power. The kingdom of God is in power. That word power is dunamis. Inherent power. In other words, it's power residing in a thing by its virtue of its own nature. Now listen to me. The kingdom of God is the resource of the power or the ability to accomplish it. The power, it's, you could say dunamis is this. It's power to do. In other words, the kingdom of God is not about talking, it's about doing. It's about living. We get our word dynamic from it. It's energetic, functioning, alive, operative, working power. We also get our word dynamo. A dynamo, it's enduring power, that, that which continues, power that continues, or generating power. Both of those are included in the word dynamis. But dunamis doesn't come from you. It comes from another. Dunamis comes to you in a person. Jesus said, I want you to go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with dunamis. The ability to do it. The power to accomplish. Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That simply means that this power, this ability, is beyond the realm of the natural. It's beyond your ability. It's beyond your natural abilities, beyond your understanding, or beyond your strength. God's work takes God's presence and power, supernatural power. You say, Preacher, why are you telling us? Because here is we tend to live by the teaching instead of by the power of the person. In other words, I tend to live by what I understand. And I'll even call it revelation. But basically, it's about what I can naturally figure out in my mind what it means so that I can naturally put it into practice to the best of my ability. And, And Paul is saying, that don't get it. That's not it. That may be your kingdom, that may be the western civilization's kingdom, but that's not my kingdom. My kingdom's not just mere talk. My kingdom's is power. Power. What kind of power? Romans eight eleven says this, this Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Now let that sink in for just a minute. How much power did it take to raise Jesus from the dead? It takes life-giving power. I don't know about you, but once life is gone, how do you get it back? You naturally can do nothing. And yet... The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives where? In who? In us. In you. Now, when I think of the power of God, I tend to think of help. Jesus didn't need help to be raised from the dead, He needed life to be raised from the dead. He needed to conquer death. To be raised from the dead. There had to be a power and a might. That was beyond anything. Sin or death could do. To keep him in the grave. Now that will preach in just a minute. There's a power. In you. That overcomes. Sin and death. And everything that you think. Can keep you from living this life. It's not a teaching, though it is a teaching, though it's taught. It's not just precepts. It's not just talk. It's not just a new ideology. It is a presence and a power and a person who is right now alive in you, enabling you to live the life God said he gave you when you were born again. I didn't finish reading the scripture, did I? The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies. Grab a hold of that. He will give life to your mortal bodies. How many of you have aches and pains and creaks? and God will infuse and give this Spirit, this Holy Spirit that comes, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, now lives in you. And by Him, God will give life. Now, I'm not saying that you won't grow old. I'm saying you can grow old alive. Life to your mortal bodies. That which connects you to this world, God has given you life. He's given you power. He's given you resurrection life to live in this world with everything going on. And he does it by the same Spirit living within you. The Apostle Paul, St. Paul, he prayed a prayer in Ephesians 1. And the prayers in verses 15 through 23, Ephesians 1, I want us to look at verses 19 and 21 because I want to talk to you about this power. And and let me just say this. I'm teaching you, but if you let it stay teaching, you're going to miss the point. Here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to invite the Lord to say, Lord, show me this power. Lord, show me this power. I want to live in this power. I want this power to live in me. I want to be enabled by you to live the life you've intended me to live. I want to live like Jesus lived. I, not, I, I want Jesus to live His life through me. That's the prayer. So let me just look at Ephesians one verse nineteen. Paul says, "I pray that you would uh, that he would open our understanding and knowledge that we would know." Verse nineteen: What is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Paul is saying that there is a power at work in the believer that is nothing short of invincible. And I can hear us say, yeah, right. Because you see, we're sensory in our culture. Well, what does it feel like? And how can I know it? Prove it to me, preacher. You understand what I'm saying? Those cultures, God just said there's a power. Resurrection life is living in you. And we're saying, how? When? How? I don't understand. But if I don't feel it, How do I know it? See, it doesn't take faith to feel. It takes experience. It takes faith to believe. And when I believe, there's this power at work toward me that enables me to live what I believe. This power. What's he talking about? What's this power? In verses, it's as though he... He can't describe it. He piles superlative upon superlative in the Greek language. It's as though words are not sufficient to describe the wonders of this power of God that's at work. And we don't even know it. He uses four words in verses 19 through 20 to describe this. First. The first power according to the greatness of his dunamis toward us. We just talked about that. It's the inherent power of the spirit who abides in us. It's it's that Power to do it. It's that power to accomplish it. And he calls it exceedingly great. There's the exceeding greatness of his dunamis toward us. And then he goes on. According to the working. The word working is energeia. We get our word energy. In other words, it's not just power, but it's divine energy at work in us. It makes the dunamis power effective and productive. This word is only used in the New Testament for superhuman strength, superhuman ability. And it's used in the New Testament with whether the devil empowers you or whether God empowers you. This divine this power energy this working as we receive trust and respond to the Holy Spirit there is released an energy that will make the life productive for the kingdom folks there's nothing impossible to those who are in Christ Jesus yeah I know yeah but nothing let me go on. The dunamis, the energeia. Then there's the kratos. By his mighty, according to the working of his mighty power. That word power again. It's a kratos. It means governmental power or dominion. It's power that conquers and sets up a new order. In other words, we don't understand the exceeding greatness of the dunamis toward us according to the divine energy of His mighty dominion, rule, reign. It's power that conquers that which is against you and sets up a new order. In other words, a heart that was once ruled by evil is conquered and a new government power is set up, the kingdom of God. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, You trusted Him to forgive your sins. You got far more than forgiveness. You got a divine exchange. He didn't just conquer your sin. He conquered your sin and set up a new government. A new rule in you. You became a new creation in Christ Jesus. All the old things passed away. You became something you had never been before. Free. Filled. And fulfilled. All by the power of God. The kratos. The dunamis. The energeia. The kratos. And then it goes on. The word mighty. His mighty power is iskus. This fourth power is the might of the Lord himself. It's it's literally in the Old Testament. It is kind of translated. His holy arm. His right hand. It's the might of the host of the Lord. In other words, he did this by his own strength. You didn't do it. The world didn't do it. And Satan couldn't stop it. It was by the power, the right hand of God. Now listen to me. You have within you, working towards you, working for you, this dunamis, this energeia, this kratos, this excus. All of it is God's power at work in you. So what's your excuse? Well, I know that I should be, but I just, and here's what, well, that's just the way I am. Let me tell you something. Jesus, His very name said He'll save His people from their sins. Folks, listen to me. God never said He'd save you in your sins. He didn't save you so you could keep on. He saved you from it. And the power of the Godhead is at your availability to work in you both to will and to do according to His good pleasure, to conquer that which you think has conquered you. His mighty power. That means that I have the strength to prevail in any demand coming upon me. The strength comes through the Holy Spirit Himself who is my enabler. We say it this way. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength, who is my power. That means I don't have an excuse to continue on. I don't have an excuse to say that I can't. I shall you know, that's just the way I am, preacher. That's just not my gifting. Now, I want you to follow Paul's thought. Put that verse back up, Ephesians 1. I want you to look at verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him. That word is cathedzoed him. Cathedzo means he conferred a kingdom upon him at his right hand in the heavenlies. In other words, when he raised him from the dead, he didn't just raise him from the dead and take him to heaven and say, yeah, we won. He raised him from the dead, took him to heaven, and he seated him. He, he, he gave a dominion to him, the kingdom of God, from which he would rule and make sure that everything that God had promised would be fulfilled in the lives of his believers. He cathedzed him. You say, preach, why do you use those words? Because words are important. They're not just mere teaching. They have power. That Jesus didn't just go to the right hand of God and sit down and say, I did it, Dad. He went to the right hand of God and God gave him what he promised him, a kingdom to which there'd be no end. That all the kingdoms of this world would be swallowed up in that kingdom. And he's invited us to be a part of that. It's not only an eternal kingdom, an everlasting kingdom. It is a powerful kingdom for the living in this world according to God's way. Now look at the next words. He gave him a kingdom, a dominion, far above, greatly higher in rule and rank, far above. Now I want to tell you, sometimes I'm a cut above, but I've never been far above. Far above. Look what he says: all. Now you know what the Greek word all is? All. Let me, see, let me give you every h, any, all the whole, everyone, all things, everything. Sound like all. He's given him authority over all, far above all, principality and power, rule and authority, might, power of armies, forces, hosts, dominion, government, lordship, every name, authority that was even professed. He's given him far above all of that forever, now and forever. And that power, that authority, is available to every believer today. The power to live right here in this world, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the hurt, the lies, all of those things. God has given us uh, the power, the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe. In other words, there's no excuse for not living in the kingdom culture. She thanks, preacher. Here's what I think God's want me to tell you. The kingdom culture is not a made-up lifestyle. It's not religion. It's a life and a lifestyle for which you were made. God means this to be your life. For you to live in the literal power of the resurrection life of God. Well, I don't know. Why do I feel the way? Because you haven't ever got past the words to encounter Him. I'm not asking you to believe a teaching. I'm asking you and inviting you and imploring you, invite God to overwhelm you with His Holy Spirit in order that He might live the life He intended you to live through you. So let me tell you something I think a lot of people who named the name of Christ repented enough to get their sins forgiven but didn't repent enough to see the kingdom it's like we've been declared not guilty but all we are is free to do it again how many people win the lottery and go bankrupt, because the life didn't change, just the amount they had in the bank I'm talking about life change i'm talking about stepping in to the life the resurrection life of jesus christ that's the kingdom culture. well why don't we live it? i want to let me get personal with you. Uh, God showed me something last night. <clears throat> I've been preaching for 45 years, but I recognize in my own walk that I have trouble believing Jesus. Now, I live in this culture too. I have trouble believing Jesus. Now, listen, I'm not saying I have trouble believing in Jesus. I have trouble believing what Jesus believes. See, but Jesus believes in me. He believes that what he accomplished in me was sufficient for me to be everything he intends me to be. He believes in me. But I don't believe what he believes. I don't believe that he... You know, at times I get into the situations, instead of me focusing on him and what he can do, I focus on me and what I can't do. I'm not worthy. Anybody have that problem? Uh, I don't know enough. I'm not able. Uh... I don't pray enough. You know, it's amazing to me how easy I can get self-evaluating when I run into something that's bigger than me. See, I've believed a lie. I believe that this really depends on me Instead of believing, it depends on him and resurrection life. Now I know I preach the other words. I know what it is for Christ to live in me. I know how to preach it, I know how to teach it. but you see so many of the times what I do when a living level of my life is I let it go back to mere talk. Now is it true? Absolutely. Can I preach it? Yes, it's all, that. but I'm telling you that I still have the same difficulty that many of you have, and God, I believe He showed me why. In 1 John four seventeen, we sang about it this morning. We sang about love casting out fear. And we sang about it. And in that same passage, 1 John 4, in verse 17, he talks about that. And then he says this. Because as he is, so are we in this world. And that just hit me in the face. You say, well, why would that hit you? I, I could, I've read that a hundred times. I've quoted it. I know how to quote it. As he is, so are we in this world. And the God said, that's not the way you read it, Darrell. That's not the way you live it. Let me tell you, show you how you live it. As I was, as he was, so I am to be in this world. As I, As he was. I want God to make me like Jesus. But here's the thing, I want him to make me like he was, not like he is. Does that make any sense? Because you see, <clears throat> now I, I, you've got to listen to me closely because if not it'll 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 offend you, okay? When I see Jesus, when I think and comprehend when i picture jesus when you picture jesus do you see him on a cross or do you see him enthroned do you see him far above principalities and powers or do you see him dying for our sins you see yes jesus died for our sins yes the cross was absolutely sufficient and it is sufficient and it finished the work but if I'm always focusing to what Jesus was and not setting my own mind on who He is, I leave Him a sacrifice instead of sufficient, powerful Savior. As He was, so I'm to be. I'm to live my life to please Him, be like Him. Da, da, da. No, folks, listen. I'm to live from who he is as he is so I am in this world as he is well who is he he's the resurrected king of king and lord of lords far above all principalities and powers and kingdoms and dominions and might and he will ever be and he has been given a kingdom and I'm a part of that kingdom and as he is so am I in this world not I will be, I am. Now, now preacher, you 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 just you got you got to be a little bit weird. I know that in words. You understand? I know that. I know how to talk it. God's inviting me, inviting you. I want you to live it. Well, what does that take? Me believing Him. Okay. Very practical. When you run into a situation you can't handle, what do you believe? Well, I believe I'm weak. I'm unable. I can't handle it. And I cry out for God to help me. So did Paul. This is not going to be on the screen. It's 2 Corinthians 12 9. You remember, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. He had a disability. And Paul had disability, and he cried out three times that God would take him away. And finally, God didn't take it away. And it, it, it's amazing to me that he kept crying out three times, and God didn't take it away. And then God speaks to him, and it's in verse 9. He says, My grace, my grace, which is empowering presence, is sufficient for you. For my strength is made is made perfect or complete in weakness. I want you to stop there a minute. listen to what he said. this is not just words. I know you've heard it all before. God is saying to Paul, my grace is sufficient. my empowering presence with you Paul, is more than that thorn and my empowering presence is sufficient absolutely completely sufficient for your weakness. Basically the message says this way my grace is enough it's all you need my strength comes into its own in your weakness. God is saying my strength comes into its own in your weakness. I've been repenting of my weakness. I've been repenting of what I couldn't do. I've been repenting. when I mean, I've been trying to change the way I think about all these. And here's the thing. God's saying, Daryl, you know, you're weak in that area so I can be strong. You're unable so I can be able. Instead of always fighting your weaknesses, why don't you own up to your weakness and trust me? You mean I accept my weakness? I didn't say accept it. I just said know it. Own it. Well, I'm slow of learning. That's okay. I'm not. How many of you know that God uses the foolishness of preaching to save? And all of a sudden, I began to understand the very things that I've been repenting of, God wants to use in my life to show forth His glory. And this is only going to come to you by revelation. You, this is no—my words can't explain it. In other words, you—the devil has you beaten yourself up for you're not able to do what you've always thinks that God's requiring of you. And here's what God is saying, Daryl: I never expected you to do this on your own. Expect you to let me do it and watch. Stand still, remember? Stand still and see. Could they part the Red Sea? Could they do anything but stand still? Or, you know, I would have been on my knees. I wouldn't have been standing. And that's he didn't say. He said, stand still and see the glory of God. It doesn't take any faith for me to confess how weak I am. It doesn't take any faith to confess where I know I've blown it. That's just sensory. I mean, I can do that. Let me tell you where it takes faith. It takes faith to believe that God has set me free from that sin and He will empower me not to do it. That's where it takes faith. It takes faith for me to consider myself dead to sin and alive to God. It takes faith... Well, you know, it takes faith to believe that God's power is sufficient to heal, that God's power is sufficient to change. It takes faith. It doesn't take any faith to admit what's wrong. It takes faith to stand with God and see that He'll change it into what He wants it to be. It doesn't take faith to blame it. It takes faith to know that God's power is sometimes expressed in our greatest areas of weakness. Let me share with you out of the the message again. He says, Once I heard that, Paul says, Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. The weaker I get, the stronger I become. I'm not, uh, what I hear God saying to me is, Daryl, quit examining yourself and set your mind on me. As he is, so are you in this world. Chris read it last Sunday, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. If, you, if then you were raised with Christ, if you have resurrection life, Seek the things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, seated in this kingdom and the throne. Set your mind, have a mindset on things above. Don't have a mindset on your weakness. Set your mind on who He is. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. The devil comes along and says, Preacher, they're not understand." He's saying this to me right now. They don't understand a word you're saying. And you know what I say? It's not by understanding. It's by revelation. The God who lives in resurrection life can reveal to you, turn the light on, change it in a moment. To where you are empowered to see it, to say it, to live it. My prayer for you this morning is that you will come to the revelation the kingdom of God is not a made up life. It's a life you were made for. He's inviting you to step in. But where you can't do it, he can. Where... Where you think it's impossible, there's nothing impossible to God. And what you think has held you bound can be broken by the power of His might in a moment. What He invites you to do, quit blaming yourself and quit examining yourself and turn your eyes to Him and see Him as He is. Because what you behold, you become like. You behold, what you look at, what you continually look at, you become like. If you continue to look at the chaos and the problems, guess what? You're in chaos and the problems. If you'll set your mind, have a mindset on who Jesus is, who he really is, you will become set in him, seated with him. Isn't it amazing? Paul said that. We're seated with him in heavenly places. In other words, we are set, we're going to talk next week about the keys, the authority of that kingdom. But you see, you've got to believe that the king is living in you before you can have delegated authority here. The weaker I get, the stronger I become by the power. The kingdom of God is not just talk, it's power. Would you receive it? You say, well, how do I receive it? Ask. God, I want to see it. I want to know it. I want to live in it. Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you would pour out a, a spirit of revelation. Lord, you said that when the Holy Spirit had come, he would guide us into all truth. And he would show us the things that we need to know. And so, Father, I'm praying that this morning that you would let us have a glimpse... You said if a person is born again, he can see the kingdom. I'm asking you to give us a perception of your kingdom, your rule. Let us see where you're seated. Let us know that you are there in authority and power and there is nothing too hard for you. The areas of our life that we think are impossible are literally opportunities for us to see the kingdom of God at work. Father, I'm asking you to touch our lives, transform us, make us alive with resurrection life this morning. Let us live it. Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't know, has never encountered the Lordship of Jesus Christ, would you, ex- would you let them encounter, would you encounter them and let them encounter you and be transformed? Father, it's not just about forgiveness, though that's an incredible thing. It's about your fullness and your life coming into them and making them a brand new creature. Father, for many of us who've lived in two worlds at the same time, we've tried to be good citizens of the kingdom and yet good citizens of this world. Father, would you show us how to step into the kingdom and live as representatives into this world of your kingdom authority and love and grace. Fill us, God, with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. We have... Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampassers.com.